to Acts chapter 18. We'll be reading verses 9 through 18. Our message title this morning, Fearless Focus on the Mission of Grace. While you're looking for the text, allow me to set some context. As we have been working through the book of Acts, last time we looked at Paul, who had been in Athens and was now in Corinth, had made his way to Corinth, where he had met and befriended Aquila and Priscilla, became very good friends. Silas and Timothy, in the early parts of the chapter, explain, explain that Silas and Timothy were able to catch up with them from Athens. And since Silas and Timothy did arrive, it kind of freed Paul up to focus more on the gospel. Up until that time, he was having to work and preach and work and preach. But it seems, it suggests that with Timothy and Silas there, Paul was able to do more preaching, focus more on the message, and the Jews again reviled him, blasphemed him, brought pressure to try and quiet him. And Paul said to them while he taught them in the synagogue, that he would no longer waste his time with them. He was shaking the dust of their dust off of his cloak and off of his sandals. And from that moment on, he would preach to the, Jew, to the Greeks. But it's really quite interesting to see in our text in Acts 18 that Titius Justus, a Greek proselyte who lived next door to the synagogue, became a believer. Paul was able to lodge there, share his home for a while. And also Crispus, the ruler of the synagogue, in verse 8 of Acts 18, indicates that he became a Christian. Acts 18.8, Crispus, the ruler of the synagogue, believed the Lord together with his entire household. And many of the Corinthians, hearing Paul, believed and were baptized. Paul was in Corinth for at least 18 months, and the rejection from the Jews did not stop his success. We've already seen Luke give us an account of people who were saved, and more would come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. The rejection and resistance from the Jews did not stop the gospel message power. So that's the bit of a context. Let's read our text this morning, and then we'll dig into the lesson. Acts 18, beginning at verse 9. And the Lord said to Paul one night in a vision, Do not be afraid, but go on speaking and do not be silent, for I am with you, and no one will attack you or harm, to harm you, for I have many in the city who are my people. And he stayed a year and six months, teaching the word of God among them. But when Gallio was proconsul of Achaia, the Jews made a united attack on Paul and brought him before the tribunal, saying, This man is persuading people to worship God contrary to the law. But when Paul was about to open his mouth, Gallio said to the Jews, If it were a matter of wrongdoing or vicious crime, O Jews, 
I would have reason to accept your complaint, but since it is a matter of questions about words and names and your own law, see to it yourselves. I refuse to be a judge of these things. And he drove them from the tribunal. And they all seized Sosthenes, the ruler of the synagogue, and beat him in front of the tribunal. But Gallio paid no attention to any of this. After this, Paul stayed many days longer and then took leave of the brothers and set sail for Syria. And with him Priscilla and Aquila at Chantria, he had cut his hair, for he was under a vow. Allow me to pray briefly and then we'll move on. Father, we ask your blessing upon the reading of this word and help us to see what is here before us. Let us see it with clarity. Let us see it without distraction, that we may know of your truth for our lives. In the name of the Savior, we ask this. Amen. As we read this text, it may not look like it up front, but there is a lot going on here. Many Christians are distracted by the little details. There's a lot of little things in the text come up, and they, well, what about this? I don't understand this. Why is this here? And we'll discuss a few of those. But one thing about Scripture, and one thing about the divinely inspired authors of Scripture, they were very often instructed not to put in a lot of the little minutiae and a lot of little details because that wasn't the principal part of the message. So just because there are a lot of details that are left out that leave us asking questions, that should tell us, don't focus on that, focus on this. As I had mentioned at the beginning of the lesson this morning, our message, fearless focus on the mission of grace, or fearless focus on the message of grace. That's what this is all about. This morning we're going to see three points. Be fearless under threat, be fearless while suffering consequences, and be fearless pressing forward. The true message of the gospel is a primary is primary to God's mission of grace, and we must not forget this. And very often when we study the Bible, we get distracted by all of the little details, and we should not. There's too much speculation that surrounds the details, and they can be, you can get distracted and led down a rabbit trail, and you must not do that. What Luke is doing here, and what the Holy Spirit is doing here, is showing us that the principal message of this passage is the preaching of the gospel. Many today have changed and even continue to change the gospel message. It's up to the faithful followers, hopefully you and I, to be fearless and focused on the gospel message. As you recall, Paul, during his missionary journeys, had often experienced persecution and abuse for his preaching, for his teaching. He was beaten, he was stoned, he was run out of time, out of town, he was put in prison, 
and it's not over yet. I wonder how, I must confess, it's even difficult for many of us to go to someone, some stranger's door, knock on their door to share the gospel and get the door slammed in your face. But Paul was beaten and thrashed and put in prison and falsely accused, yet he kept right on going. Resistance to the truth followed him everywhere, even in Corinth. But in Corinth, Paul received some spiritual protection. Acts 18.9, just going through this again, step by step. The Lord said to Paul one night in a vision, Do not be afraid, but go on speaking, and do not be silent, for I am with you, and no one else will attack you to harm you, for I have many in this city who are my people. Be fearless under threat. That's what Paul was doing. That's what the Lord had admonished him to do. Preach the gospel. Be fearless. And Paul, this is going to be a special time for you. There is something special about this church in Corinth. Paul, I'm going to keep the persecutors off your back. Preach and teach without hesitation. You might argue that for Paul, it was easy to be fearless. God gave him this personal vision. The threat was always there. But God's providence, by God's providence, that threat was stifled. You and I face threats. You and I have fears. You and I are quite shy about sharing the gospel sometimes. But God still gives us a charge, a call, a challenge to share the gospel fearlessly. In verse 12, the Bible says that when Gallio was proconsul of Achaia, apparently he had just been appointed to the office. The Jews made a united attack on Paul. Well, here's someone new in government. Let's see if we can get this guy shut up. Let's see if he'll put Paul in prison or run him out of the city. The Jews made a united attack on Paul and brought him before the tribunal, saying, This man is persuading people to worship God contrary to the law. But when Paul was about to open his mouth, Gallio said to the Jews, if it were a matter of wrongdoing or vicious crime, O Jews, I would have reason to accept your complaint. But since it is a matter of questions about words and names and your own law, see to it yourselves. I refuse to be judged on these things. God's providence was at work. The Jews were not successful in getting Paul shut up. Well, who was Gallio? Very often we see names in Scripture and they, they affirm the truth and validity of Scripture because these were actual people recorded in history lending their presence to the gospel message. After the Romans had conquered Greece, they separated the nation into two provinces, 
Macedonia, which the Apostle Paul had already been through, planting churches, preaching and teaching, and the province of Achaia, where Corinth was. Both of these were governed by proconsuls or governors. Gallio happened to be the proconsul of Achaia, and his office was in the city of Corinth. Gallio was the brother of the celebrated philosopher Seneca. Some of you may have heard of him. He was appointed proconsul in 53 AD, so this dates the event we're preaching about this morning. He was adopted into the family. He was adopted child into, the, into a family, grew up as Seneca's brother. He's mentioned by ancient writers as having been a remarkably mild and amiable disposition. So he wasn't a cruel man. He was quite reasonable, sounds like. But when Paul was before Gallio about to offer a defense, which was fearless, he wasn't afraid. Gallio did not feel this particular issue was worth his time. I will not be judged, a judge of that, such things. And he, Scripture says he ejected, he dismissed them. He didn't kick them out. He just, you're dismissed, leave my court. I've got business to take care of. Be fearless while under threat. Be fearless while under threat. In this case, God kept his promise. Do not be afraid, but go on speaking and do not be silent. For I am with you, and no one will attack you or harm you, for I have many in this city who are mine. Something also happened according to this account, which is a little bit confusing. In verse 17, after they had been dismissed from the tribunal, it says, and they all seized Sosthenes, the ruler of the synagogue, and beat him in front of the tribunal. But Gallio paid no attention to any of this. They were probably already outside the door. He may not have even seen it. Be fearless while suffering consequences. Who was Sosthenes? Verse 17 tells us he was the ruler of the synagogue. Apparently, if you remember in verse 8, Crispus was a ruler of synagogue, but he became a Christian. So they got him and replaced him with Sosthenes. And these are one of those little details that are, not everything is included in here, so we have to speculate a little bit. And I want to be careful not to lose focus of the message. But the name Sosthenes only comes up twice in Scripture. Here in Acts 18 in 1 Corinthians 1. When Paul wrote his first letter to the church at Corinth, after he had been away, he wrote, Paul, called to be an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God and our brother Sosthenes, to the church of God in Corinth, to those sanctified but in Christ Jesus and called to be his holy people. 
together with all those everywhere who call on the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, their Lord and ours, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. In his salutation to the church at Corinth, he mentions Sosthenes. Is it the same man or are these two different men by the same name? We don't know. Don't let the details distract you. But I am of the conviction, conviction that, and this is my personal understanding, I've read commentaries that go two different ways. I believe Sosthenes did become a believer. Perhaps in this event where his own people turned on him, he realized where the truth lay, and it was in the gospel. Who were the all? Some commentaries mention that the, the all that beat Sosthenes were the Greeks. No, because there were Jews there dealing with Jewish matter. I don't believe it was. Uh, if it was, then the Greeks were annoyed that these Jews had wasted the proconsul's time, so they beat the synagogue's ruler. Possibly, but not very likely. All the Jews were bothered because Sosthenes did not do enough to shut Paul up, probably. Or it was discovered that Sosthenes became a believer. That's why he was not so strong against Paul's preaching. It's hard to say one way or the other. The Bible is not clear who beat him or why. All that we can conclude is that God, through a vision to Paul, promised him a season of preaching that was free from resistance. And Sosthenes became a lightning rod to attract some of that resistance. The tension had to go somewhere. You might think it cruel or unkind or ungracious of God to allow that to happen, but in his providence, it brought a man who suffered some abuse to a saving knowledge of Christ Jesus. Remember, God's providence and authority in the presentation of the gospel is foremost. We looked at that several weeks ago. The message is essential, and God is in control of the message. God is in control of whose ears are opened and whose eyes are opened to hear and see the gospel. Let me reduce this down to a sports illustration. You should be able to get it. We're all very familiar with football. The goal of the game is to get the ball down the field and across the goal line. Goal line. And not everybody on the team gets to carry the ball. There are a lot of guys knocking other players down and just trying to make a path clear for a player to get down the field or keep the opposing team away from the quarterback so he can throw the ball down the field. Only one guy gets to carry that ball over the goal line. But everybody has a part of getting him there. 
as we serve the Lord together, some of you may have a different role to play, but we should all be engaged in presenting the gospel message to the world. Being a congregation that is hospitable and loving and caring to the community around us. And if you're part of that effort, you may not be actually sharing the gospel word for word with others. But in the kindness and hospitality we share with the community around us, you're disarming them. If they are hostile toward us, you're showing them who we really are and what we really are about, which kind of opens up the door or opens up their door to receiving the gospel. The message is essential. Faithfulness to the message is important. And it's not a message that simply says, all you've got to do to be a Christian is be nice. That's a lie. I'm not saying that you, that's, that's not all you have to do. I mean, we're supposed to be nice, but that's not all you have to do. There are some times when nice can be a vice, or being nice can be a vice. We need to remember that God is holy, He is righteous, He is pure, He is sovereign, He is powerful. He is fearsome. God's law is truth, and it cannot be changed. It cannot be dismantled. It cannot be denied. But it has been violated. It has been broken in that we broke his law. We have been disobedient to God's law. And when Christ came, he called men to be good. No, he called men to be to repentance and to faith. Repent and receive the gospel. That was his message. Those, those messages from our Lord Jesus Christ, and Jesus was a preacher. Repent and receive the gospel. And one important fact of the gospel message is the call to repentance. And too many today are forgetting that. Romans 10.3 says, For they, being ignorance of God's righteousness and seeking to establish their own righteousness, have not submitted to the righteousness of God. I'm good enough. You be good like I'm good. And I don't have to be as good as God wants me to be good. I, I can do, I can. Too many today are forgetting that repentance is necessary. Being ignorance of God's righteousness, his holiness, his purity, his high standard of perfection. Reveals our need. But people just ignore that and they seek to establish their own righteousness and they do not submit to the righteousness of God. We need to be fearless in the face of the consequences around us. What kind of consequences do we face? We can talk about 
those who have faced consequences in other countries. There have been people who have, over the years, martyred. They've given their lives for their faith. Even today, we see, we hear about people who are Christians suffering, literally losing property and life because of the one they believe in. The consequences may we face may be violent consequences. But for you and I in America, we aren't quite there yet. Hebrews 3, consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself. Lest you become weary and discouraged in your souls, you have not yet resisted the bloodshed striving against sin. We've not suffered that yet. Have you forgotten the exhortation which speaks to you as to, as to sons, quoting or prophet, my son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor be discouraged when you are rebuked by him for whom the Lord loves. He chastens and scourges his son, every son whom he receives. Weak preaching in America, weak churches in America, weak church leaders in America produce the consequences we are seeing today. And we are told, we are called of God from our text and next, from the example here, that we should be fearless in face of the consequences. The consequences we may face or we are facing is resistance to the true message, resistance to the complete message. There is a traditional call of worship, and if you've circled, circled around in uh, churchy circles, if you've participated in churches very long in your life, you've probably been in one or two of these churches where it's in the Catholic Church, it's in the Anglican Church, and it's even, even in the Lutheran Church, a traditional call to worship. Each and every Sunday when we start our call to worship, we borrow from Scripture a different passage. But the traditional message when the pastor or the church leader steps into the pulpit to begin worship on Sunday mornings, the Lord be with you. And then everyone in the congregation knows to respond, and with you, and sometimes they will say, and with you and your spirit. It's traditional. Many people in Christianity come together on Sunday morning, and when they respond to that, it brings them home. There's nothing wrong with it. I think it is appropriate. Some of you may have heard this, heard of this on March 22nd, last month. Ms. Carolyn Camp stepped into the pulpit of the Goodson Chapel on the Duke University campus and changed the words as she called them to worship. And I am quoting, the holy and queer one be with you. In her opening prayer, she praised God 
She praised to God. She praised to God. She described as strange one, fabulous one, fluid, and ever becoming one. Denying scripture. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is changeless. Continuing quoting her prayer. Do not allow us to make our ideas of you into an idol. You are as close to us as our own breath, and yet your essence transcends all that we can imagine. You are mother, father, and parent. You are sister, brother, and sibling. You are, and I'm quoting, and you can go on YouTube and find this video. You are drag queen and trans man. You are gender fluid and capable of limiting your vast expressions of beauty embodied in us, your creation. Blasphemy. We recognize our flesh and all its forms is made holy in you. With thanksgiving, we celebrate your manifestation in all its glorious forms. Blessed are our bodies, blessed is our love. Blessed are we when we celebrate that which we, the world turns away. Fill our hearts with pride. Fill our hearts with pride. Rooted in resistance to all that seeks to destroy. We are suffering the consequences of weak preaching, weak churches, and weak leaders today in America. This is the product. And we are called to preach the gospel fearlessly, boldly, and courageously. We do not apologize. We do not change the message. We do not soften the message. We call people to repentance in order that they may receive the gospel. That's what this is all about. This was part of the Duke Divinity Pride Worship Collaboration. If you are a Blue Devil fan, I think it's okay if you go ahead and watch the games, but I hope you don't send them any money ever again. consequences we do face or the consequences we are facing is a resistance to the true message and that's what this is all about. It's gone all the way to blasphemy. Be fearless under threat. Be fearless while suffering the consequences and the consequences we're seeing in America, no one's dying for their faith yet but we're seeing the product and the consequences of weak preaching and teaching. We need to keep on keeping on. Be fearless, pressing forward. And this is really kind of an introduction to next week, verse 18. After this, Paul stayed many days longer. So this event where he was called before the proconsul, called before Gallio, and Sosthenes was beaten, was not the end of his message ministry in Corinth. It was 
perhaps middle to a full year. He was there for 18 months. It was sometime in the middle. It says here, he stayed many days longer and then took leave of the brothers and set sail for Syria with Priscilla and Aquila. Be fearless, pressing forward. The Apostle Paul, led by the Spirit, left Corinth after a year and a half, accompanied by good friends. He was completing his second missionary journey. He was going back to Jerusalem by way of Chensria, or excuse me, by way of Caesarea, in order to report what had been accomplished, what had been done, what kind of ministry gains had been done. So next week, we will begin right there to see where, what happens with Paul and what, what are his next steps. He's finishing up his second journey. He's going to have a transition time, and then he will begin a third missionary journey, which will be even more exciting. Be fearless while under threat. Be fearless while suffering consequences. Be fearless while pressing forward. And by all means... Brothers and sisters, focus on the mission of grace. Be faithful to the message. Let us pray. Lord, thank you for this day and for giving us each other and for giving us your word and its truth and its power. We pray this morning that you may help us overcome fear, overcome shyness, overcome any hesitation in sharing the love of Jesus Christ. Give us discernment and wisdom so that we may be able to speak graciously and powerfully to those who need Jesus. Holy Spirit, fill us. Help us and use us for your glory. It's for the sake of of the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.